This show was first broadcast on Free FM 89.0, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access radio station. For more information on our station and our wide range of programs, visit freefm.org.nz. Alexa, start Free FM 89. Please wait. This is the free breakfast on Free FM, independent. That's how easy it is to stream Free FM anywhere, anytime, using an Amazon Echo. Global sales of Amazon Echoes are on track to reach 50 million this year, and they're already in New Zealand stores. If you're a lucky owner, open your Alexa app, search for the Free FM 89 Alexa skill, enable it, and you're good to go. Simply speak to your Amazon Echo and say, Alexa, start Free FM 89. Please wait. Free FM, independent community media 24-7 anywhere on earth with the Amazon Echo, Alexa and the Free FM 89 Alexa skill. The burning dumpster radio show, Max Christopherson. How are you, mate? <laughs> Good morning, Mr. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I was literally up all night trying to work out a better name for the show. I just can't. I've got nothing. <laughs> Again! <laughs> the gift that keeps well, on giving. Hey, um, Father's Day coming up, mate. Father's Day coming up. Gosh. Yeah. And uh, there's no rugby on this weekend. Which is disappointing. Well, there's something else you can do because, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can buy with your money for Father's Day. Like, like what? How about we buy a gun? A gun? Yeah, yeah. Let's go downtown and buy a gun because there's a big sale on for Father's Day and you can have some fun shooting things with guns. Yeah, no, we're in New Zealand, mate. We're not in America. We're not in America. Well, if you take a look around town, there are signs and billboards for guns up around the place. And uh, for me right now, one of the things that we need to be really careful of is we are seeing the NRA uh, become more and more prolific in New Zealand. And by the NRA, what I mean is is that there's a very strong gun lobby in New Zealand, particularly in the commercial side. Uh, there's an advert in Waikato Times this morning from a gentleman called Mr. Tipple. Mr. And Tipple. I suggest anyone looking at those adverts that you take a look at Mr. Tipple's background as the owner of Gun City and find out exactly why he was imprisoned in the United States for trying to smuggle guns out of the country. Say that again? So, so, hang on a minute. So this ad is by a Mr. Tipple? It's Gun City. It's the big uh, yeah. gun agency in the country and it's, it's reputedly the biggest gun uh, franchise uh, in, in the world, according to the advert this morning. Holy moly. So the thing I want uh, Hamiltonians to think about is how many guns is enough? How many guns do we need in this country? And I raised, I've raised it before as an issue in a couple of columns. I, I was raised in a hunting family, so mm. I'm very familiar with gun culture and hunting culture. I never took it up myself. I just didn't get the thrill of what it was that people enjoyed about killing animals for fun. I've never understood that. I, I've never understood why people want to go into the great outdoors in New Zealand and kill as much of it as they can. So I've never got that. So the thing I'm uh, pointing out this morning is what do Hamiltonians think about gun ownership? Because right now there's a two-page spread in the Waikato Times this morning and it looks like guns are accepted in Hamilton as being something you can have some fun with as toys. And I really reject the notion of the commoditization of weaponry. And I think we need to be very, very careful about where we're going with this. Here, here, mate. I don't, you know, you know, in a strange and horrible twist of irony, uh, I just, uh, I don't have a, a paper copy of the Waikato Times, pretty much like everybody these days, and went online. And uh, first story, shop worker held at gunpoint at the, uh, the Horatu Dairy. Yep. Uh, and that follows hard on the heels, Mark, of the story last week that was the lead story about guns being fired on surfers out uh, Carfield Way. What is that about? We talked about that last time. It was a patch protection, yeah. et cetera. But, yeah, you're right. It's, it's elevating, isn't it? It's, it's, it's strange. You know, um, the last gun 
I ever had my family was uh, 22 that my dad had. And you know, the scary thing is, I don't know where that went. <laughs> the even scarier thing when I think about it was that was in the 70s and we lived in a borstal. We lived in a prison and dad had a gun under his bed and it wasn't for protection or anything like that. It was for hunting rabbits. Uh, well, that's what he told me. But then I haven't seen it since. That is really frightening. But so there, are, you know, there, there are a lot of those stories around in terms of people that... I mean, the gun laws were relatively lax in the 70s and 80s, and families... Uh, I mean, it wasn't, in, at least in my circle, my family circle, it wasn't uncommon for people to have guns as something they would go and shoot rabbits or possums or whatever with. But one of the things that raises an issue that I hope Hamiltonians take seriously is that there is more and more... If you look at the headlines... There are more and more issues of guns being used in very violent situations. In fact, mm. I think it was only yesterday there was another report of a woman who was held up. Uh, in fact, two women were held up uh, with guns, I think, around the Waikato. So for me, the numbers are staggering. 10,000 more guns are in the country this year than last year, and 10,000 more guns uh, than the year before that. Mm. We're being flooded with weaponry in New Zealand, and what really concerns me is if you drive out around the Waikato, take a look at the road signs. Take a look at how many bullet holes are in the road signs. We've got idiots with guns that are out there and are shooting up anything that moves or doesn't move. I said last week, I think, that one of the issues I'd like to do is I'd like to counsel uh, and institute a bylaw that would stop any slug gun being used inside city limits. Mm, one mm. of the things those slug guns are being used for are shooting birds, shooting wildlife, shooting pets. And mm. those are the things that worry me is we've got so lax with the guns. And one of the reasons why we're so lax with guns is because they're a huge voting lobby. You mess with people who own guns in this country, as I did when I wrote columns, you'll find they come after you, as they did for me. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is the NRA, uh, NRA in the U.S., the National Rifle Association, is fantastic in the U.S. because you know where they are. They're public, they're big, they're a powerful political lobby. But in Hamilton and in New Zealand, they just sit under the radar a little bit. Well, so they're weird, there. They're a powerful that? voting block. Be tell warned. me, tell me. If you, there's two things I want to I want to pick you up on that you've talked about here. And one is, um, first of all, your 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 your, uh, uh, your assertion about the Gun City fella. This guy's yep. the tipple. Tell, tell tell us what you know about that. Well, it's a it's a it's a well covered story. Uh, it was reported that, uh, in fact, I need to. I just looked it up about half an hour ago, actually that he tried to bring guns onto a plane in the U.S. and was subsequently jailed, I think, for two years in the United States as a result of that indiscretion. Uh, and then, I think, illegally sold 400 weapons elsewhere while in the U.S. You need to check that. The stories are all, all online. If you look for the gun city owner hmm. and his background, you'll see that he was imprisoned for those, um, essentially, trying to bring guns uh, into the country without U.S. Customs knowing about it. And if you've ever dealt with U.S. Customs, you know, they yeah. take a very dim view. Yeah. So uh, he was imprisoned in the U.S. for that, but has uh, returned to New Zealand and has uh, continued to trade in weaponry and uh, is one of the biggest traders, as I understand, in the country. So for me, it's, I mean, he's doing everything legally. There's nothing uh, illegal about his commercial business. But the issue that I'm raising here is that if you look at the advert today, the reason you would go and buy a gun is because it's Father's Day. I find that offensive. Well, that's really frightening. It is absolutely frightening, I tell you. We were going to cover the rugby, but I think we'll... Um yeah, we will cover the rugby as well. We will cover the rugby yep. as well. I don't know about you, but something felt really uncomfortable, and I think I've got a feeling that Steve Hansen might have said this in jest um, when Jacinda Ardern turned up in the uh, in the changing rooms after the, the great all-black win, which it was a great win too. It was lovely. But um, he started lobbying her for money, saying we're the biggest brand. He should be helping us out. 
Look, there are a couple of ways to look oh. at it, and people will know that I've written columns uh, about rugby several times over the years. And one of the things I keep coming back to is this, is that rugby thinks it's bigger than what it is. It's an infinitesimally tiny code on the world scale of sport. It's dwarfed by the major uh, sports. That Hanson has now come to ask mummy for money because he can't afford to keep his staff is an indication of what I've said all along, which is, is that professionalism has failed rugby. Rugby wasn't big enough or organised enough to take care of its own business. Mm-hmm. New Zealand taxpayers fund their stadiums, their shop window. They fund the team that goes to the Olympics. They fund their injuries through ACC. So the taxpayer is already funding millions and millions of dollars as are ratepayers to keep rugby going. If, if rugby was like other codes where they have to pay for their own stadiums, where they have to pay for their own injuries through insurance, mm. where they have to pay for their own staff salaries, this code would be broke. It couldn't afford to fund itself. And that for me is the issue here, is that what needs to happen is the entire code needs to be professional and it's not it's an amateur code when you have to go to the state to pay your wages but i guess so when you've got a small saying, population base like ours how do you how do you how do you do that you do it the same way you do it with any other thing you sell it to offshore interests right we play the best rugby on the planet and the thing that has stuffed rugby is that they forgot about club ownership and when you stop and neglecting the grassroots ownership and and grassroots rugby it leaves you with only one revenue stream and that's the all blacks so what I'm saying is what needs to happen is everyone needs to pay by the same rules. In Europe, they follow the FIFA rule. And the FIFA rule is, is that you, you start from club ownership. And that's why the clubs have so much power in England. They don't really care about international rugby. We do. They don't. Mm. They care about local regional tribes fighting against each other. Yeah, exactly. And it comes from the, the British thing that you know about as well. Mm. And the thing that comes out of it, I think, worries me quite a bit, is that we're seeing this handout all the time, and much of it's invisible. I mean, if you go back to other codes, it cost us $8 million a medal for every medal that was won at the last Olympics. Oh, $8 million a but medal. How much would you pay for the joy of a nation, eh? How much would you pay? Come on, that's price. Let, let, let me give you, I'm, I'm being facetious. Here's the, here's the thing, Mark. Let me just raise this one real quick. If there is joy for the nation, that is, that's, that's fantastic. But what I want to see is, tell me again, what was the return to the taxpayer for the America's Cup? What was it that Joyce was so keen about that we were going to start new factories building boats? Where are those factories now? Mm, mm, building boats for the Swiss. Hey, um, um, the, uh, I had an exchange with a fellow the other day who was very pro the All Blacks, and and look, people do love the All Blacks. There's no 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 qualms with that, you know. And uh, and I've had a lot of a lot of good experiences with rugby, both uh, professionally and socially, you know. Um, so I'll put that out there. But uh, here was this discussion that we had on Facebook. Just found it. Um, he said to me, what was the lowest rating station ever at uh, TRN when you worked over there? And I said, oh, I think it was probably Radio Sport on about a 2%. And at that stage, you remember, it was, you know, rating really well and, you know, Mr. Commercial Success, yep. all that sort of stuff. And they said, if they had invested a whole lot of money on that zero station instead of you, would that make sense? You know, and he was uh, sort of saying that's, that was his argument. Um, you know, if they hadn't invested in me and invested in them, you know, where would my brand be, etc. And I, you know, I thought, no, that's actually quite wrong because I said if I was charging crap loads of cash every time someone listened to my show and had massive advertisers as well, would you be happy to throw me some more money even if you didn't listen to my show? And that's mm. the problem with it, isn't it? Um, the All Blacks yeah. are asking people who don't follow the All Blacks to pay for them. Yeah, it is. And I think, again, the issue for me is is that we've got two separate ways of funding rugby. 
one of which is in the UK, which is club-based, and you have rich owners that are prepared to swallow the money and the losses. I mean, one of the things that scares me a little bit, too, is that this is all based on a false economy. Right? is a very small code. Yeah. If you look at the top seven or eight nations, they're the same seven or eight nations that were the top teams in the amateur era. There's no one coming through. When you look at the great uh, you know, loss in the last World Cup, Japan versus South Africa, that team had nine foreigners, eight of which were New Zealanders, <laughs> one of which was a Tongan and a Japanese side. So I thought, wow, isn't that great? The Japs have finally got a local league established. They're coming forward. And then I thought, oh, that guy looks very big for a Japanese side. When did, when did you last look at the All Blacks, though? Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. So for me, the solution here is this. Sell off the clubs at grassroots level just as they did in Europe and it's all played by the same rules so that clubs have ownership we play the best rugby on the planet there's no doubt about that but when you have to go to the state to prop you up Mm. that's acknowledging that the professional code isn't big enough to support yourself and I make the point again World Rugby made $430 million profit last year. Yep. Why can't that money be spread around? Because we are the smallest nation amongst all of them that are playing the code, with the exception probably of Fiji or Tonga, and yet we're playing these, we're producing these players. So for me, the money issue should not lie in the taxpayers' hands. It should be, it should be in the hands of World Rugby and the Kremlin at Wellington that's simply protecting its own interests, and they're not prepared to say they got professionalism wrong, and they did. They got it badly, badly wrong. Well, it already appears. I mean... You, you cannot get an all-black test in Hamilton at the moment for the next few years because we're not bidding. We're not bidding enough money. It's as simple as that. And they're asking ratepayers to bid, you know, to put to put up money to get the all-blacks there. And hence, your, your tests are going to Nelson because you've got people underwriting them uh, and, and building million-dollar stands, you know, for one thing yeah. because they've got an enormous amount of money. They want to, you know, an ego thing is saying, let's get the all-blacks here. But yeah. our council saying, well, well, we don't have that sort of money. So, you know, we've got a beautiful stadium, but we don't got the money. Yeah, and one of the things that got me with that too was knowing that every town wants to look like they're grown-ups. You know, they've got a great facility for the arts and and for culture and for sport. But the one thing that really took me over the edge with this whole rugby thing was I looked at uh, an English side, Spurs, and they had to build uh, their new stadium because they wanted to get 70,000 or so into their their new gig uh, because the old stadium was old and that needed to be increased in size. And I thought, okay, well, so how much is the London City Council paying for that? not a cent right and what comes out of it is that when you play big boy sport whether it's in america or australia or or uh, elsewhere and you've got the population base and the numbers going through the turnstiles you get sponsorship and that's what's built tottenham hotspur's new stadium there isn't any public money going into it yeah and i'm saying when you've got 430 million bucks you've got one side that's producing the women's world champs the men's world champs uh, in rugby then uh, World Rugby, it's time you started paying your way too. And that means that you've got to subsidise this small country because we don't have the bums on seats anymore that have mm. enough interest in this code. That's good. You couldn't fill Eden Park or Rugby Park in Hamilton if the seats were free. Yeah. People have lost interest in the game. So I reject that rec taxpayers now have to come out. And also let me make this final point. Sorry, I'm ranting, but this really pisses me <laughs> off. What they're saying is the reason why they need money is because their players are going to go offshore. Let them go. What is the difference between players in Iceland going to play in England and producing a side that can beat England at the European Championships in 2016 and yeah. Barrett or anyone else going to, to England and then coming back for the tests? Totally agree with that. get the logic. Totally agree with that. They win, we'll watch. Mate, all the very best to you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, well done. Yeah, no, absolutely outstanding. Have a lovely week. We are Max, and we'll talk to you next week and see if we can't sort of see some dumpsters a lot. Enjoy Father's Day with a new gun.
No, I'm not getting it. Oh, I think I'm getting a barbecue. <laughs> all right, all the best to you, pal. It Bye is. For more episodes of this community access radio show, please visit freefm.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible by funding the Access Internet Radio Project.